All right. I'm, uh, I'm surviving. Surviving or thriving? Both. Both? How about you? Oh, uh, you know, surviving. Not much to do right now, obviously. Yeah. I was uh, gonna say I was gonna say good afternoon, but I guess it's the evening for you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, good good evening for me. Good afternoon for you. Thank you. Uh so just to get started, if you wanna uh say your name, say where you're playing currently, what position, um, just so we can get going there. Yeah, sure. So how's it going guys? I'm Nico Giantsopoulos. Um I'm goalkeeper for the Cavalry FC in uh the newer Canadian Premier League and uh, I'm twenty five years old. Perfect. Yeah. No, what that's uh second second year now of the league? I mean, this is the second year. Obviously it hasn't <laughs> started yet because this whole thing, but uh it will be the second year once we get going. Right on, right on. All right, so just kind of the format we'll start, talk about uh your career, youth, college, uh how you made it to professional, and then go through some questions that some of the fans wanted to ask you. Okay, perfect. So how how early do you want me to start? So let's start just youth career briefly, because uh, you obviously you grew up in Canada, so probably a lot mm -hmm. of the listeners might not know much about Canadian football and all that. So just just a brief, you know, what it was like growing up there and playing. Yeah, so uh, I started off when I was seven, I guess, and they call it rep here in Canada with a club called Unville Milk. And soccer club i was there all the way up until i was 14. uh when i was 14 i ended up switching clubs um to a club called pickering soccer club again still in uh, the league then was called the oyso so it was the top teams in ontario played in this league called the oysl i was there for two years and then ended up switching to ajax and the reason for the switch because ajax um, was focusing on getting their players scholarships um, and that's something that appealed to me, appealed to my family. So we made the switch there. Um, played under Dario Gasparato, um, really good coach, uh, for another two years. Um, during the time of Ajax, we actually won back-to-back -back national championships. So that was good. We had a lot of success. Uh, a lot of players on the team uh, ended up getting scholarships, mostly in the States, but also some in Canada. Um, so we were kind of spread out all over. Um, and then from there, I ended up going to a Division three school in Michigan called Adrian College. Um, from there, I spent two years there, um, had some success. I played right as a freshman. I uh, really enjoyed my time there, met some good people. Again, had a great coach under Chris Lefevre and a great goalkeeper coach, Paul Gilbert, who really, I think that's when my development started. Um, he was, up until then, I never really got goalkeeping uh, training, and I think that's a something that I was almost missing to my game. I wouldn't say I was an excellent player when I was youth. I was pretty average. I was just on very good teams. Um, but he really honed in on the skill of being a goalkeeper. And I think if it wasn't for him and meeting him at that point in my career, I don't think I'd be where I am today. So he was a huge uh, part of my career. Um, after those two years. I have, I have two, two quick questions with that. Go ahead. What, what age did you start just playing as a goalie, not field player, anything like that? Yeah, so I know when you talk to a lot of goalies, they're like, oh, I love to play out and all that. But my dad was my coach in, like, house league. So it's like the the coach's son has to go in goal sometimes. Oh, so I went nice. in and I, I enjoyed it. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, the way my brain works in all sports is, like, defense first. Like, I was never really trying to score goals. I would always be the first one back or hanging back. So that was just kind of my mentality naturally. 
Um, so I started playing goal, honestly, when I was probably like six years old. And then that year in house league is when the rep team saw me and they sent a letter in the mail to my parents and like, Hey, we saw Nico, we'd want him to be a, the competitive goalie on our team. Um, would he be interested? And yeah, I went there and then I was a goalie right from seven. So I never played competitively oh, wow. out. So from seven to now I've, I've never stepped outside of the goal. And, and I think it's, that's the best position for me. Uh, I love it. And there's nothing I would change really. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you've, you've made quite a career from it. So I wouldn't change that. Um, yeah. And then just from, you know, growing up in Canada and all, obviously, how did you decide that you wanted to play college soccer in the U.S.? Yeah, I think at that time, I know it's, it's gotten a lot better now, but I just didn't feel the competitiveness of uh, Canadian colleges was uh, at the level of the States. I know when you go to the States, they treat it a lot more professionally in a way a lot more money they put into the programs and all that so that was something that definitely appealed to me and also i think i just wanted to change i kind of want to get outside of canada and just live on my own and see something new and obviously michigan's not too far away but it is a different country different culture different customs and all that so um that really uh, intrigued me and that's that's kind of the thought process that went into it Right on, right on. All right, so talk through. You had two years at Adrian, and then what happened at that point? So after those two years, the coaching staff actually ended up getting let go. Um, and the only reason why I went there was because of those two coaches. I mean, like I said, they were excellent coaches. I felt like I had a really good relationship with them. They were one of the few people at that stage of my career that really believed in me and believed in my talents and saw something into me, uh, in me. Um, Adrian College isn't the most beautiful campus, it's not the most beautiful location, but I love the soccer program, I love the coaches, I love the team. So once they got released, I just felt like um, the school wasn't for me anymore. So I got my my transfer papers and I just started looking out um, around at all schools really. I was looking at, and because I had success then in college, more opportunities to go maybe to division one, division two, whatever, there's more opportunity. So I ended up looking at a lot of schools, talking to some coaches, got a few offers. I ended up getting uh, an offer from Houston Baptist, which was a school yeah. obviously in Texas, Division One program. Then I got an offer from Saginaw Valley, which is Division Two in Michigan. Um, had a really good reputation at the time. And then just on a whim, I ended up sending an email to the Calvin College coach at the time, only because after my freshman year, I had a really good game. And he just pulled me off to the side and he's like, hey, um, you know, I used to be a goalie. I just want to say I really respect your game. I thought you, I thought you did really well and stuff like that. Um, and, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a real honor and it's fun to play against you guys and all that. So I kind of stuck in my head my freshman year. So then when – and Calvin was a top 25, if yeah, not top yeah, 10. Uh, yeah, for, for Division Three, um, And I knew of them a bit. So it was just – and this was, I already got offers from Saginaw and Houston Baptist. And I'm like, and it just, his name's Ryan is the coach at Calvin. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to send him an email to see what their situation. <clears throat> send him an email. I'm like, Hey, I got my release papers to transfer. Uh, curious what your goalkeeper situation is. And he said, you know, we, we'd love to take you on for a visit, see what it's like. Um, and then I went down for a visit, but me and him clicked. Like he was a goalie. And he also played pro in the, at the time that whatever the USL was called back then, he played with the Charlotte Eagles. Um, 
And then he was talking about opportunities to play in the summer. So this is when Bridges got brought up, uh, other PDL teams and stuff like that. And he was just very focused on building me as a player to have a good college career. But he also wanted to focus on, you know, helping me after college and try the professional game. And again, I just felt he really believed in me. They wanted me. And it was a it was a team where I could impact and I could help. I could grow there and I could help the program grow. So talk to my family. Obviously, my parents love the campus. It's a beautiful campus in Grand Rapids, yeah. Michigan. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up committing there. A lot of people and like friends at the time were a bit shocked because everyone's like, go D1. And I don't know how, if people know, but in Division Three, you can't really get scholarships. It's only academic and um, financial aid. That's how they do. So I had, like, basically could have gone to school for free at Saginaw and Houston Baptist. So obviously everyone was pushing that and played Division One, Division Two. It's much better. But I'm not just. My heart told me to go to Calvin. I kind of just went with my gut, um, and then I committed there. Played two years there. Obviously we had great run in the NCAA tournament there. I had a lot of individual success. The team had a lot of success. Um, and then after those two years, do you want me to keep going? Yeah, so just uh, when you went to Calvin, was was going professional like the a big goal at that point? Or <laughs> did it grow during those two years? Kind of when did no. that? Yeah, I would definitely say professional at that point was my number one goal. But going at to Adrian College, um, I just wanted to continue playing soccer because, yeah. you know, I like the boys. I like the locker room mentality. It's like being part of the team. I remember like in like grade 10 or whatever, like, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be a police officer. And then I remember somebody said, oh, don't you like want to be a professional soccer player? I'm like, nah, like, it's just so far fetched. Like, I don't even want to. So like being a pro was never on my radar. Like, I just like playing the game. Like, that's all it was. Right. It was just a game. I just had fun with it. Um, so it was never, um, it, it was never a goal before. But then as soon as I got to Adrian and I got those coaches around me, that's when the professional idea really started growing in my mind. And then once I was at Calvin, it was my number one goal. So that's kind of how that developed. Yeah. And then we actually met right when you had just finished at Calvin in what, 2015 that was? 2015. Yeah. It actually might've been 2015, but I think I had one more year. I think after Bridges, I had my senior year to play. Yeah. Yeah. And, yes, and yeah. that was all and that was all through Ryan because he knew Brett Hall and mm -hmm. uh, Jeff. And he's like, hey, it's a really good like program there. You could train, you go there. I went there during spring break and March break and all that. And I spent the whole summer in Chicago. And that's when I met all you guys, you know, you, yeah. JC, Johan. I mean, the list, the list yeah. is endless. But that, uh, was, that was a star studded summer. That was that was a uh, lot of big names there that year. A lot of big names, a lot of stories, a lot, a lot of, of stories, <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah, but it's but yeah. it's funny. Like I still don't think I think I wanted to be a pro, but until that summer, I didn't realize what it take to be a pro, and that's why that Bridges program is so, so special. And I still talk about it to this day, is because you know under Brett, and then you're around pros who are in between contracts and stuff like that. So you start little stuff. And I was living with JC and Johan at the time, who I guess they weren't like full on in the middle, like veteran pros at that time, but they've had little stints here and there, but I was living with them and I kind of picked things from them, you know, what their diet was like, you know, what they, what their attitude was and stuff like that. So it definitely took me away what it's like off the pitch to be a pro other than just on the pitch.
Yeah, and I think Brett does a really good job with the program too of taking away any of the glamour of being a pro and just kind of hitting mm -hmm. the hard truths of it. And then you see quickly players, are they committed to, you know, being in the, the bad moments of it and not the glamorization of what it means to be a pro player. 100%. And sometimes that's the eye opener that you need. Yeah. Some players need it. Like, some, like you said, they just only see the, the glamorous part, but there's so much behind the scenes that isn't glamorous. And especially once you're starting out, like, you're at the, the very bottom, so you kind of got to earn your way um, yeah. from there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so you finished college, and then talk about next process, how you got your first contract, where you ended yeah. up. So, again, this is a bit of a whirlwind, but that's just been the story of my career up till now. Um, so I finished my senior season in December, um, and then after that, um, I was – Ryan, the, the coach at Calvin, was reaching out to all of the contacts he had, and, again – I thank him so much because he was putting his word on the line and his reputation on the line. Cause you know how it is in the, in the professional game If a coach recommends a player and then they go on trial and he sucks, they won't take his word again. So the fact yeah. that he was reaching out to all these coaches right away, I'm like, wow, that, thank you so much. That means the world to me. Um, so he which, was reaching out to real, real quick. I think that's an important thing for our younger listeners. Uh, maybe to realize, I think people are always like, Oh, you have a connection. Will you put in the word for me? and realizing that it's uh, it's not fair to ask if you're not to the standard of it to ask someone to put their name out because you do that one time and it doesn't work out and no one takes that person serious and their reputation is just down the drain. 100%. And you know just as better as anyone, like the your your word and your reputation is it's, it's huge in this game now. So um, the, fact, the fact that he was doing that, I, I right away like thanked him for that and and so, yeah, he just started reaching out to all the clubs that he had connections somehow. And, again, it, sometimes it wasn't even, like, the head coach. It was, like, someone in the office that he knew. It's like, hey, can we maybe get an email or something like that? So that's what we were doing. I was trying to find emails. He was trying to find emails. That's probably the most schoolwork I did during my time in college was researching professional clubs, coaching uh, staff. Anything I could get a hold of, I was trying to reach out to them. So the real bites that we got was – Colorado Springs in the USL. And then it was Rochester Rhinos and Pittsburgh Riverhounds were like the three main, three main ones. I might be missing one, but the, I think those are the three. So I ended up getting invited to a preseason with Colorado Springs. I go there and they have, they're looking for a, a third string goalkeeper and they have the two signed goalkeepers. And then, I honestly say there were seven, seven other keepers that were there, <laughs> basically of all goalkeepers. So, I, I mean, uh, still, like, at that point, I, was just, I just wanted to get a contract. I didn't right. care. So my mentality then was like, okay, like, I'm just going to grind it out, see what I could do. I was there for maybe two weeks, and uh, nothing, nothing came of it. Uh, they ended up signing another guy. So I ended up going back home. Then, then he, he messages me, Ryan, and he goes, hey, Rochester Rhinos just saw your video. Like, they love it. Bob Lilly was the coach at the time, and he's like, uh, they want to bring you down. But in the, that moment, there was like a two-day buffer where I didn't really have anything going on, and an agent reached out to me and was like, hey – sorry, an agent reached out to me right when my college career ended. He's like, hey, are you interested in playing after? Um, if you are, um, I'm happy to send out your video to – 
clubs I know. And I'm like, yeah, sure. But then I didn't hear from the guy for six weeks or two months even. So I was going on all these USL trials and just, I'm like, the USL is my only chance. Like, that's the only thing I could do. Yeah. Get on there. I have, I have nothing really. So then I had two days where I didn't hear anything from Rochester. And in that time, the agent calls me. He's like, hey, um, there's a team in Tasmania, Australia. You know, the goalkeeper that they had in mind fell through they, and they got an injury. They need a starter. Um, they want to sign you. They want to sign you like today. They could have signed you yesterday, like, but you need to commit now and, and you got to fly down. <clears throat> and uh, Rochester were interested, but they didn't like have anything out there. I'm like, I, I got to take it. This is my only opportunity really on the table right now. So I said, yeah, let's do it. And you, if it you was, Googled where Tasmania was? And... <laughs> I didn't even know what Tasmania The only thing I knew of Tasmania was the Tasmanian devil from yeah. the cartoons. <laughs> so I, I didn't know what Tasmania was even part of Australia. So obviously I Googled it. I Wikipedia, the club, Devonport Strikers was the team. Um, had a brief chat from another Canadian that was down there, Joe Zupo. Okay. Um, he, already, he was already down there. I'm like, hey, what's it like? He's like, yeah, man, it's really good. The funny story, and not many people know this, is I was just about to sign for a thing, but then another club in that league, a Greek team called Olympia, found out oh, I was yeah, going to yeah. sign oh, with yeah. found out I was going to sign with Devonport. So then they put in an offer for me as well. So then I had two clubs. So you went from having nothing to literally in 48 hours, I had two teams. I talked to both presidents, and then I just ended up deciding to go with Devonport. And then yeah, I, I think I signed maybe on Tuesday, and then on Friday I was on a plane going there, landed Friday, and I think, or let's just say I landed Sunday or something like that because the time change. And then I had a practice that evening, and then the next day we had our first cup game. Because, again, they signed me, like, last minute, like, injuries and all that stuff happened. So, And I remember them saying, like, do you, like, want to play? I'm like, like let's, let's do it. Like, why not just go and play? Like, what do I have to lose? Like, I'm here. Like, let's play. Yeah. And played and I can't really remember much of the game. Like it was, I think we won. We were playing an amateur side, okay. so it wasn't that much pressure. And then, yeah, my career started there in Devonport. Yeah, and you you had a, a killer first year from there. If I remember, you were on like the the all team for the league and everything. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I had a yeah really good year. Obviously, the team did really well. We ended up winning the league and the cup double. And then when you win the Tasmanian Cup, it's called the Lacazette. Lack of Seljuk Cup, you get entered into the FFA Cup, which is like the FA Cup mm -hmm. uh, of England, but for Australia. But it's the round of 32, like proper, where it's on Fox Sports and they have a live draw. So it's like it produces a lot of money for the club, a lot of exposure, which is huge for small clubs like that if you get onto that stage. Um, so the team had tons of success and it was good. And then obviously individual success followed that. Like you said, I won right. goalkeeper of the year, won golden glove, and then I ended up winning player of the year, like of the league, which was a huge step. Um, it kind of just put me on the map in Australia, I guess, yeah. and kind of gave me something to put on my CV. Absolutely. Yeah. So then you finish, incredible first year. Um, what's your decision making going back? Do you, you know, because some players, they go back. I had a great season. Continue that success with that team. Do you look for another team? Talk you know, through that decision-making process. Yeah. Um, so I loved, I, I loved everything about Devonport. I loved the community, the staff, everything. I met some great people and still people that I still keep in, keep in touch with today. Um, but they knew they were a smaller club and I kind of wanted to 
on the mainland, you know, with Sydney, Melbourne, and, and those cities, that's where the, the higher level is, the higher talent. Um, and to be honest, more money is there as well. Yeah. Um, so I was open with them. I'm like, they offered me a new contract. And I was like, I appreciate it. Um, but I just really want to test myself at the next level. They understood. They said anything we could do uh, to help you, they would. Um, reached out to some teams and then ended up signing uh, with a team, Broad Metal Magic in Newcastle, which is like two hours north of uh, Sydney. Um, and I got to play under Ruben Zadkovich. And from there, um, that's when year two started playing with Broadmeadow. Yeah. And then how, how'd that year go? Um, and then how'd you decide to head back? Cause you went back to Tasmania. Yeah. So, yeah. so the, the second year in Australia was probably my toughest year. Um, just because the level, the jump, I thought the, the jump from college to Tasmania was, was minimal, but the jump from Tasmania to the mainland was, was, was pretty big. Yeah. And again, on the, on the mainland, you're only allowed two imports. So for a club to sign a goalkeeper as their import of one of the big two is, investment. Big investment. it's a big investment. It, it's, it's almost a rarity because they're, again, Australia produces pretty good goalkeepers. They're, it's an athletic country and stuff like that. So the fact that this club signed a goalkeeper right away, there was eyes on me and there were, and there was a bit of pressure obviously as, as, as there is. Um, so again, I, I went there and I definitely had a, <laughs> a slow, rough start. Uh, couldn't really find my feet right away. Um, had some weak performances and then, you know, I, I started feeling the pressure more and more and it built up. But again, I had, I had two unreal coaches and again, all throughout my career from youth to, to this point where we're at, I've had unbelievable coaches and I had Ruben Zadkovich who week in, week out started me every single game. Um, and that was huge for me. That just showed he had trusted me, and even though I'm sure he was getting like questions from the board or whoever it might have been, uh, the fact that he was playing me week in week out was huge. But he was tough; like he he was tough on me, and but it was good. Like we had we we now have a really good relationship. Um, but it made me a better goalkeeper. But the best part was near the I guess the halfway mark we were we were almost like second or third last, so the team wasn't doing good. And this is a club who notoriously is like known for winning the league. So the fact that they were that low was, was very bad. We shook some things up. We changed, we changed a couple of things. We got in a, a really good player in Mitch Oxborough, who was uh, from the A-League at the time. And he came down and really, that was like maybe the halfway point. And then we went, we went on like a 12 game win streak and the team was flying. And then those were some of my best performances um, that season. You know, I came in some, came up clutch in some really big moments. And then my confidence just grew from there. And then I realized, you know, just that self-belief again came back. And then, you know, again, speaking with uh, Ruben, you know, again, he always had confidence in me. Um, but then, you know, once I started giving back to him through performances, um, it just felt good to give it back to the team, the club and all that and all the trust. Had a really good year. We ended up losing in the semis of the final series that they have um, to Edgeworth, who ended up winning it all. But really good year. Um, then that year ended, um, again, they wanted to, um, uh, they wanted to bring me back, but then at this point I'm like, no, like, I think I'm ready to bring it back to North America and maybe break into the USL because again, yeah. this, the Canadian Premier League wasn't a thing. So I go back again, I reach out, talk to Ryan again, the college coach. Um, and I'm like, Hey, any contacts you may have, I'd love, I'd love them. I'm going to try to reach out to some people. 
didn't really get too many bites, um, but I ended up getting something at Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Um, Hunter Gilstrap was the goalkeeper coach there. He knew Ryan. Um, he saw my video. He, he liked what he saw, and then he brought me in. They had, like, maybe a game left in their season, so I was there for a week, and I trained with the team while they were still in season. Um, was there, and Dave Brandt was the head coach at the time. Yeah, yeah. And I thought I had a really good week training there. I felt good, felt confident, and um, left at the end of that week just because their season finished up. And spoke to Hunter, spoke to Dave, and, you know, it was all positive from there. Um, and then I was starting to think, I'm like, you know what, I think uh, it might work out here. And and that stupid me, obviously, I just kind of didn't. And, again, keep in mind, I'm not working with an agent at this point. I'm all – I'm doing this all by myself, like – I'm doing it the classic Bridges way, like emailing people, searching it up. Like that's just, that's just all I knew at the time. Um, and then I just get an email one day and this is when I'm like, I'm pretty confident. I thought I was going to sign there. And then Dave Brandt ended up uh, for, for reasons I'm not going to get into. He ended up getting, yeah. he, he's not the coach anymore of, of Pittsburgh and they ended up getting a new coach um a coach again it was bob lilly who ended up coming who's actually the rochester coach but um yeah i go to like a an open trial or maybe an invite only trial just didn't really pan out from there and so then i was left without a club so now i'm just sitting at home this is maybe january february time now windows closing at that point there's not everything's closing no you know you start sweating a bit you're like oh you know Start looking at jobs and stuff like that. Maybe maybe I'll become maybe a waiter. Like <laughs> yeah, become a bartender or something like that. And uh, and then so out of nowhere, I just get a, a random message, and I was sitting with my girlfriend at the time. Just and then, anyways, I guess I shouldn't get into that detail. But they send a message, and they're like, "Hey, like, what would it take for you to come play here again one more year?" And I'm like, listen, like, I don't think I really want to go back to Tasmania. And they're like, well, like, how much would it, what, what would it have to be? And I said some stuff and they're like, perfect. Yeah, we can do that. Like, we have a guy that wants to invest in the club so we could do that. And I was like, all right, I'm going to Tasmania. Twist my arm. <laughs> yeah. So went back to Tasmania. Again, it was, it was, it was awesome going back to Tasmania. I only didn't want to go back there because I just, I thought it was a step back in a way from where I was. Um, nothing against the league, the people, because everyone in Tasmania that I met was were great. So I signed with Launceston City. Um, it was it was a good opportunity as well because they made me uh, vice captain along with uh, Englishman Daniel Sison. So it was a new kind of role, yeah. you know. Being I was 23 at the time, so to be in a leadership role at that age, I thought it was a bit unique, and I thought I could, um, I thought it'd be a different experience. That's something I wasn't really used to, um, and it was normally a club that was in the bottom of the table. So it was a project and they, and they were open up with the project. Like, listen, we, you know, we're trying to bring them up. Um, so I went there, spent the season there again, had great success, really enjoyed my time. Um, and then, yeah, do you have any, <laughs> I've kind of rambled on there a lot. No, no, that's, that's good. That's good stuff. Um, yeah. I think it's so interesting. I'm sure saw a lot of people, um, you know, with, with how careers go, it's so random. And as you had in yours and as I had like, two days, you had nothing, two days, all of a sudden options come in and you're on a flight and you're going halfway across the world. And I think people and maybe outside of football don't realize how, how wild of a time it can be where you're just like, 
yeah, I could be in Europe tomorrow. I could be in Australia. I could be in the U.S. Who knows? Like, but something's going to come, hopefully. For sure. And I think that's very important at the beginning, especially. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're just trying to break in, you're just like, you have, you have to be open to take anything. Obviously, once you're a veteran in, in whatever league you're in, like, right. maybe you have more power then. But when you're just trying to break in, like, beggars can't be choosers. And I was probably yeah. the biggest beggar. I was probably the biggest beggar at that point. So, I, I get um, to I would, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, and then, yeah, was that Launceston at the end of that year? Again, I sent a couple messages out because now the Canadian Premier League was a thing. It was it was official. It was going to start. So I reached out to one of my best friends, Sergio Camargo, who was playing PDL with Calgary Foothills. But the head coach of Calgary was going to be the coach of the Cavalry, which is the CPL team here. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, like, what's your goalkeeper's uh, situation there? Like, what do you think? And he's like, yeah, like, we're actually going to have a prospects camp where they're going to invite players to train for two months um, through the months of September and October. He's like, I really thank you. And they're looking at Marco Carducci, obviously. Um, but I think you and him could battle well. And you'd be a good fit here. Um, if you, I, I'll send your video to them and just see what they think. I'm like, yeah, please do. That'd be great. Thank you. Sent the video out. They liked it. I was still in Tasmania at this point. And he comes back. He's like, yep, like uh, they'd be happy to have you down to Prospects Camp. I think they liked the video. Um, And then he's like, all right, these are the dates. And I think I flew home from Tasmania. I was in Toronto for two days. And then I flew to Calgary and I was there for two months. So again, just like you said, you could be here. And I was in Tasmania. Now I'm on the other side of Canada, not even in Toronto. So uh spent two months there, did the prospect prospects camp. Um again I really thought I did really well, showed myself really well, showed my character. I think they appreciated that. Um I thought it'd be good for the locker room and obviously a good goalkeeper. Um and then after that one happened, had a good exit meeting with them, a good conversation, kept in touch with the staff, and then a contract I think was given to me either just after Christmas or just after the new year. Um, and then I signed, but the funny story is, and obviously this will get brought into, you know, the whole penalty fiasco thing that happened was, we'll get into that. <laughs> but apparently when Sergio sent my video to Tommy and the staff, Tommy was like, Oh, this name sounds so familiar. Like, what is it? And like, we have, me and Tommy had no really connection before that. And then they're like, I don't know how it was. Cause obviously I wasn't there, but they saw the video of the penalty. And then they're like, they put two and two together, like, oh my God, this is the goalie from that video. Um, and then, yeah, so that was just funny. Um, so yeah, I was there, signed. And then last year, uh, we had our season, great year. Um, we ended up winning the spring season, the fall season, um, ended up falling short in the, in the two leg finals against Forge. Um, and that was the end of my first season playing back in Canada and first time really playing competitive senior men's soccer in front of friends and family. So it was, uh, it was honestly the best soccer memory I have. Everyone always asks what's the best memory I have from my career. And it's, it was yet literally the entire of last year. You know, you spend three years abroad. And even if you count my four years away in the States, um, yeah. you know, my, grand, my grandparents couldn't see me play, you know, friends and family never really got to see me play and all that. So it was, uh, it was awesome for my parents to come to my first start when I played against Pacific in the Canadian championship. It was, uh, yeah, that whole year was honestly something, uh, super special. Absolutely. And from what it looks like, the the league is, is making a solid, uh, name for itself. 
seems like good, good, strong fan base and, you know, getting, getting good players to play and come back, you know, good Canadian players to come mm -hmm. back and play is obviously only going to bring more fans and bring more popularity to the league. Yeah, definitely. The, the ownership groups of each club and especially ours, you know, they've been unbelievable. I just think uh, the business side of the league has done really well um, and it, it's built to last. Um, so, yeah, the, the league and obviously the talent is there. Um, that was always the big the yeah. biggest question mark is how how good will the level be? But I think uh, it really surprised a lot of people in a good way. But it, it, it's I always say this to people like it's it, it means nothing if I say, yeah, I thought the level was really high. But like when you get players that have played over in Europe and, you know, we have guys like Nick Ledgerwood on our team who has over 50 plus caps for the Canadian national yeah. team. And That's when he cap. says the when he says the level's good, it's like, yeah, the level is good. Like yeah. that just validates what I thought, but it now it makes sense when he's saying it instead of just a guy who's played in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so now we're gonna get into uh, some different questions for you. I think first and foremost, biggest question that I got people wanna know <laughs> is tell the, the penalty kick story, tell the what was going through your mind, everything like that um okay so the the league was coming to an end i think that was round 25 and there's 26 rounds in the league um three games prior we faced a penalty i saved it the the next game faced the penalty and i saved it and i'm a huge i'm a huge youtube guy so i always search up like goalkeeper highlights on but just because goalkeeper like i faced two penalties in two previous games i just started searching up uh goalkeepers penalty stuff and then through youtube you get down that wormhole of crazy goalkeeper penalty moments and all that and i come across a video of a goalie who's he's a greek guy chris i'm not even gonna attempt to say his last name but greek guy um and it's during the penalty shootout or pks and penalties there and he, he boots it away they get the ball kicks it and he ends up saving it. And I just remember thinking, I'm like, oh, that's so funny. Like, that's crazy. Like, I'm like, maybe I should do that one time. But I don't really, I don't say at that point, like, yeah, next time I face a penalty, I'm gonna do that. Anyways, the next game, the next week. So three weeks in a row, boom, penalty. Um, and then it's there and then, and then I'm like, oh, that video like comes to my head. And I'm like, I'm gonna do it, sure. Kick it, again, I'm not mad. Everyone thinks there was like, I was, I disagreed with the ref and all that. Like, I just kick it. I was like, you know, let me take a little advantage if I could get it. Blast it. And then he takes a penalty, I ended up saving it. And then it's just gone insane since then. And again, I think it's now two years ago and it keeps resurfacing. I feel like every single interview I've done, it gets brought up in some way, but uh, I don't regret it. What? I think it was funny. Well, how long did it take from when you did it to when it, when it got viral? And what were like your initial thoughts when it was like, all right, serious numbers of people are seeing me do this. Yeah, I mean, it happened pretty instant, like within 48 hours, I guess, because the league at first, the first video, obviously all the games are filmed and televised. So the league ended up putting it on their Facebook channel. And I just remember within like 48 hours, it already had over 200,000 views. And keep in mind, like that's like massive for like Tasmanian soccer. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many people are in Tasmania, but there's not a lot. So the fact that already more views than the population of Tasmania was on that video, like it was huge. And then I, I think within maybe 
a couple weeks, it was, it was at a million just on Facebook. And then it kind of just, it kind of like died out then. And then it would pop up again on maybe like a Instagram page or something like that. But then just this past year, it got on a Reddit page. And then on whatever like soccer Reddit page it was, it was like the number one post. So then that's when it really like skyrocketed. And then it was on Soccer AM in, in England. And my sister's boyfriend is actually from Northern Ireland. So that's like a, that's like their TSN, ESPN, whatever it is. So they were talking about that and they showed the clip and everything. So he like sent me a video of that. And that's kind of when I realized, okay, this is like, that's massive now. It's like worldwide. Yeah, I remember last year, one of my players retweeted it on Twitter. Okay, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I was like, oh my gosh, if, if it's a fiddler, like everybody's seen this. Yeah, I was even on I was on vacation two years ago, and we met a couple from England, and even he saw it because my the buddy I was with like brought it up. He's like, yeah, there's actually he's he was in this video and stuff like that. He's like, oh yeah, I've seen it. I'm just so that I'm like, I know it's 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 made its rounds, especially in countries that are so into soccer. Yeah, no, it's incredible. I always, whenever I watch it, I'm just like, thank God you made the save. Or else I don't, I don't know how it would have gone off. If I know. Run a good chip or something. Well, that's the thing. That's like classic me, like never thinking of like consequences because I don't, in my head, I, it never even crossed. Like if they score, like this, it, either way, the video was going to go viral, but it was like goalkeeper idiot or like goalkeeper save, whatever. And be like the one of the goalkeeper that does the cartwheels. And then gets scored on it. The player celebrates with the cartwheels. Yeah, hundred percent. So it would have been like that. But uh, yeah, I guess I guess now, like, thank God, I saved. I, I could have looked. I could have looked pretty dumb. It's a thin line between foolish and legend. Yeah, I mean, they say goalkeepers are crazy, but yeah, I'll, if that's my claim to crazy, I guess I'll take that. It's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> um, all right. So some of our younger. Uh, listeners we're wondering what's the the best and the worst aspect of being a goalie uh for me personally as a as a field player uh the goalie position is either love them if they save you and if they make their mistake obviously it's glaring and it usually costs a goal and you're just like come on man are you kidding me just use your hands and save that so mm -hmm. i don't know what, what are your thoughts though, as a goalie yeah i mean that's the biggest thing as goalkeepers you're either the hero or the zero there's never really I've I've never been in a game where the goal where someone's like yeah you you played okay because yeah. it's either you you did good or you sucked and you cost us the game that's just reality again as you get older and again this is something I I really struggled with when I was younger like I just couldn't deal with mistakes and I was always in my own head I was super nervous and stuff like that so um, but now I almost view that as the best part about being a goalkeeper is. Like so many times you can be the hero and the savior, but if you do make a mistake and it goes in, you just got to have thick enough skin and a strong enough mentality to be like, you know what? Like, I know, I know how good I am. And I, I know like I can make those saves. It was just a mistake. Everyone makes them and you just got to go back to the training ground and, uh, and deal with it. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Like it's the best and the worst part. Yeah. How, how would you say through your career, you strengthened uh, having that thick skin? Is that just more of like mental? Is that through training, gaining confidence or a combination of things? Yeah, I think that's why um, they say goalkeepers peak a lot later in their careers, because it's all about experience and seeing more shots and being in more situations. Fortunately, in my career, even in my, you know, my senior men's career, um, I played so many games. 
So up until now, I think I've played close to 100, uh, 100 games. So just being through so much and honestly just going through those mistakes, going through the struggles, I think that time, like I said, my, my, the first half of the season at Broadmeadow, um, when I was struggling and there was so much pressure, it's like at that point I, I wasn't dealing with it that well. But I think the more it happens, the more you understand, like, listen, you always get back up there. So if you can just keep your mentality of, you know, self-confidence, that's the biggest thing for goalkeepers and stuff like that. But I wouldn't say there's like certain training and stuff like that. It just takes a certain personality um, to overcome uh, difficult situations. All right, skill or luck? Which one is a keeper's best friend? Skill. Definitely skill. skill. Yeah. I all mean, right. we, we train so much and we work on so much technique and all that that if I say luck, there's no point of training. So yeah. I would 100% say skill. And Absolutely. there's stuff that maybe field players don't know, like positioning and stuff like that. And this is conversations me, Marco, and our goalkeeper coach have on a weekly basis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, field players, I don't think, care much about goalkeepers as long as they make the same. <laughs> oh, I, I feel that. <laughs> like, as long as you keep the ball in that, you do your thing, you do your training by yourselves, whatever it is. <laughs> for sure. Uh, biggest advice for a young goalkeeper looking to play in college and eventually possibly go pro? Who? Um, find a program that you think you fit best in with a staff that you fit best in. Um, again, I, I kind of wasn't thinking about being a pro when I first committed to Adrian, but I did know I really liked those coaches and they believed in me. Um, and for goalkeepers, finding a coach that believes in you and wants you, I think is, is huge because when you're that age, I, I would say it's very rare that you come across a kid that just has full confidence and, and can deal with the, the mental side of being a goalkeeper. So you have a coach that's there to you know, be by your side and put faith in you and trust in you um, during those hard times. Um, that's massive. But also picking a school that has a program that has a proper goalkeeper coach who's knowledgeable. I think, and I said this earlier, if I didn't come across Paul Gilbert that at that point in my career, who's the goalkeeper coach at Adrian, I wouldn't be here because again, if you're, if you're 20, 21 and you don't really have proper technique or, at least understanding and of the goalkeeper position because it's so much different from just knowing having a high IQ of soccer. Um, it, it would be tough to really jump into the pro game. So finding a coaching staff that trusts you, but also is uh, prepared to work with you and, and build you as a player and a goalkeeper. Yeah, I like that. I think the, uh, the relational side, especially for a goalie, becomes so important because, you know, a, a regular head coach working with players maybe you don't get along so well, but you're working with 20 something players at one time. So you don't necessarily have to get along so well to still function. But when you're working with, you know, maybe three players and a, and a goalkeeper coach, you kind of got to have a good relationship or else that, that can be very sure. detrimental to your career as well. Mm -hmm. All right. Random question. Start bench cut Messi, Neymar and CR seven. Yeah, this is a uh, shout out to Carmen. She's, I don't know if she's listening, but, uh, um, I saw that question. Um, so I'm, I'm cutting Neymar only because maybe off the field issues. I'm a big culture guy, so I don't want him to bring down my culture, but you know, he does have a good night out, but I'll, I'll put that on the back burner for now. So I'm cutting Neymar. I'm going to start, I'm going to start Ronaldo and I'll bench Messi. Okay. 
Yeah. You might you might get some DMs of hatred later. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't even think I'm a pro. I'm a Ronaldo over Messi guy. I just that's who I think. I mean, there's you can't you can't answer that and and really win at it because each one is amazing in their own right, right? So hundred percent, it was a lose lose. She set me up. Um, she set me up for failure there. Yeah, she she's not a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, talking about Canada football. So looking back, maybe when you were just about to to head to college, being away for what, seven years at that time and then coming back and seeing football in Canada. Uh, what's, what's changed? What's grown? What have you seen improve in those years being gone? Uh, well, obviously, now that we have our own professional league, um, that's been huge because now players, you know, maybe who were in my situation earlier don't have to be, I'll, I'll, I'll go to Australia or I'll go anywhere to find they have a, a pro team and they could, like, watch them live you know, week in, week out. So that's huge. Um, so I think like youth development has really uh, grown from the, from the league coming in. Um, so that's the biggest thing. But also, like I said, now I think Canadian universities, the programs are a lot more, um, I don't know if professional is the right way, but a lot more structured. Uh, there's way more uh, coverage on it. So now there's, there's different uh, social medias and uh, media platforms that are promoting the game. I think, you know, um, Promotional and uh, media attention is huge uh, for leagues and stuff like that, especially as a young player, because you need to be on the radar. Your name needs to be known. Um, so, you know, there's there's companies like FTF Canada um, who do so much work on promoting players. You know, even when they commit a player out of high school, if he commits to York University in Toronto, like they post about, oh, this player, top player, they're running combines now. So there's way more opportunities for Canadian players. Um, to break into the pro game and now there's just more of a pathway whereas before there was kind of like it almost once you're 18 like that path like almost stopped in a way if you're trying to become a professional like you just had to you had to make your own path whereas now I think there's a very clear and direct route um, to becoming a pro yeah it seemed from my experience with uh, guys from Canada that I played with they all kind of they went through college in Canada maybe then they would go to PDL in the U.S. to kind of then start the process of trying to get seen and move up into the ranks. So good mm -hmm. to see that there's there's more opportunities now instead of just having to do that route or go to college in the U.S. Yeah. Um, so off season, we'll kind of combine this question. They were asking off season, but I'm curious too. Uh, with right now with Corona, you guys obviously aren't training as a team. So what what do you do in the off season? Um, what do you do? during this time to stay in shape, stay ready, um, all of that. Especially as a, as a goalie, I think, I, in my opinion, it's a, maybe more challenging in a sense because a lot of what you're doing, what you need to be working on is harder maybe than like, oh, doing some dribbling things in my room. Like, so yeah. kind of talk through that whole thing. Yeah, um, I mean, for one, everyone's different. So I don't think there's a, a cookie cutter way to um train in the off season because you gotta you gotta be honest with yourself and you gotta realize what your strengths and what your weaknesses are so if i'm just going off this past off season um i had a good exit meeting you know with the staff here at calvary and obviously i knew i was coming back um, and we spoke about what i want to work on and all that and for me naturally and, and my biggest strengths is shot stopping crosses and you know everything with my hands and all that i'm that's 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 my bread and butter that's what i'm best at 
what I really wanted to improve this offseason was, uh, you know, playing out of the back, playing with my feet, being more comfortable on the ball, receiving passes, uh, weak foot, strong foot, hitting pings, all that. So technically, um, I went back home middle of November. I came back maybe middle of January, late January, uh, back to Calgary, and I didn't do any goalkeeper training. Um, didn't receive any volleys, really, nothing like that. I was, we have a, basically all the pros who are from the, you know, GTA area. We all got together. We're in a group chat and stuff like that. And fortunate enough, the club that uh, I was a part of Ajax, uh, Tom Croft now owns a facility in Oshawa, which is maybe 40 minutes away. And he, he allows us to train there um, any morning we want. So three or four times a week, we would actually go to Oshawa um, at 10 a.m. And we trained for maybe for two hours. And I would just be basically a player. So if we're doing possession drills, um, passing sequences, whatever, that's all I did. I did that four times a week, maybe for two hours a day, two, three hours a day. And the fact that I was training with pro field players, um, I think that helped the most. So, um, and then again, I, I would just ask them questions, stuff like that, and looking at what they're doing, looking at their te- technique. Um, so that's what I was doing technically uh, for basically those two months. And really, we didn't stop. It was just full on two months. There was no breaks and all that. And it was really good over there. That group, we keep everyone accountable. Um, so if someone's slacking, like you couldn't really slack there. Like it's, it was almost like a bridges mentality where if you kind of mess up, like somebody would get on the guy, but it's, it's all for the benefit of them. Um, so that's what I did. And then as for working out, um, the staff here, uh, our strength and conditioning coaches gave us a customized uh, weight program to do. Um, that I just did at a local gym um, in Markham. Um, a lot of power lifting and stuff like that because with goalkeepers, it's all about power. You don't need to be, you know, do high reps. You got to be uh, strong, yeah. strong, explosive and all that. So uh, they really uh, honed in on that. And then I got back maybe mid-January. Preseason doesn't start till March 1. And then once I got back mid-January, that's when I started uh, doing goalkeeper training again with Marco um jordan santiago which is our goalkeeper coach here and then uh, a couple other keepers whether it's from the foothills youth would stop by a couple times steph LeBay, who's the canadian men's national team or sorry canadian women's national team uh goalie um would train so we did that maybe again three four times a week also continue on with the lifting um and then the biggest thing for me was diet wise was watching um what i eat um, when I first came to Cavalry, my body fat was a bit too high. So that was something we, you know, when I spoke to the staff and the strength and conditioning coaches, that's something we really want to work on. But again, it's all finding what works best for you. And, that, and that's the most important thing because what works for me won't work for you, won't work for my friend, won't work for uh, another goalkeeper that's listening to this. Um, but I ended up doing intermittent fasting um, in the morning where I did all my workouts on an empty stomach and then I just... Uh, ate my three meals or whatever it may have been um, throughout the day. I thought that really worked for me. And then when I came in um, this year, I was in the best shape I've ever been. And they were obviously happy with the shape I came in with. So those are long well, story, but those are the three things I uh, yeah, focused on technically. Yeah. Training. So you come, you come fit to fight the best ever. And then this happens and you're on pause. So, Oh yeah. And then you asked what we're doing now. Yeah. yeah well, uh, again, again, credit all to our staff because they're doing a great job keeping keeping us engaged. I would say six times a week, we have uh, a form of cardio, a form of uh, weightlifting and stuff, a program that we have all at home. 
before this whole quarantine, just before it started, we they gave us equipment, dumbbells, everything we needed, so we had it uh, at home. Um, and now we're doing Zoom, and now we're doing Zoom calls. Uh, yeah. So uh, at ten uh, ten thirty, we get in the Zoom call, and we all do our workouts, and the the staff are all there, strength and conditioning coaches on the Zoom call as well, kind of walking us through. The workouts and all that uh and then obviously some banner with the boys you could still you, you get a sense of uh the team camaraderies there um and then with the group chat always sending in if we gotta do a yoga session do time lapses and uh, stuff like that so the staff has been unbelievable with keeping us uh engaged and trying to make it feel like we're still in preseason without you know technically be training uh as a team yeah yeah no it's uh uncharted territories for coaches staff to to figure out and i think it's interesting too of what uh what players can do as a team to still bond and kind of grow that that camaraderie while not being together because i think you know presuming seasons come back and everything's not canceled i assume you know games are going to start up real quick and a lot of teams haven't had so much time to gel it'll be interesting the the teams that i think do the best this year are going to who won this, you know, quarantine time, essentially. 100%. I mean, you you just can't get caught behind because, like you said, it's going to be a short preseason if, if, uh, when the season starts back up. And you got to be ready to be uh, flying on all cylinders. So, um, again, uh, Tommy and the rest of the staff has been unbelievable setting us up uh, for success. And as long as we just keep following what they put in front of us, uh, we'll be fine. Absolutely. All right. All uh, right. I just want you to talk about uh, what you're doing on YouTube. Tell people where they can find you on social or how you want anybody to connect that's interested. Yeah, so uh, me and a teammate of mine, also roommate Sergio Camargo, started a YouTube channel. Again, we just thought, you know, obviously with the CPL being so unique um, and, and new, um, we wanted to kind of give a behind the scenes of, of what it's like to be a player. We're almost focusing away from soccer in a way because you see so much of us training with all the media attention that one soccer is giving the league and all that so we're kind of showing our lifestyle and stuff like that so away from soccer so the youtube channel is called can profiles um you can find we upload uh, every I'll put, monday I'll, I'll put a link on it yeah so appreciate that yeah every monday we post a video usually there's like a theme of uh what we get up to that week and uh, yeah me and sergio have known each other since we were seven years old so that's also something very unique we played on that that very first competitive rep team that i played on unionville we were on that team together oh, wow. so the fact that our careers came full circle and really his like we went completely opposite direction because he you know signed a homegrown contract with tfc and the mls and i did my you know my crazy route and now we ended up here at the cavalry like we thought that was also something very unique we, we thought it was interesting and we just kind of wanted to share that uh share our life with uh with whoever's really interested true true love always finds its way home <laughs> yeah you could you could call it that people say we're like a married couple now so it's uh no, I, it's I enjoy i enjoy the episodes i always look forward to when the the new ones get released uh last this last week's was on uh quarantine and how you're working out and all in isolation and all and it was yeah. interesting to watch <laughs> yeah i know it's been uh they're been not fun, there's fun not as process. much uh there's not as much opportunities for different uh different things to video film right now so yeah, yeah no we're uh, 
we're struggling with content you know obviously you're, you're finding the same issues but obviously you're being creative as well so um oh a, a bit of uh, creativity never hurt anyone yeah you know those uh those one second videos people post no like, what do you mean you know, like they film one second of their day for the entire year and put it into like a okay minutes. yeah yeah and i was thinking how how disappointing if you did it this year that's like well this is my couch this is my couch. <laughs> nothing different for weeks on the worst that's... worst time to do the video 100 <laughs> percent and then uh, I'll link your, your Instagram too, if you want for people to find you. Yeah, no, I would definitely encourage anyone who who's comes across this and all that. I'm always been, I've always been really open with fans and, you know, younger players who have questions also. If you just message me on uh, probably Instagram's the best uh, way to get a hold of me. Um, again, if they didn't get their question um, over this, they always reach out to me, whether I take a day or so to get to them, I, I always respond and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would have loved to have almost all these platforms when I was a kid to reach out to yeah. current pros Seriously. and kind of like pick their brain. And, you know, if, if you have time for a quick story, like something that was something really stood out to me when I was in college was a goalkeeper, Steve Clark, who plays for the Portland Timbers. I don't know if uh, if you know him, but he was playing at Columbus at a time. And one of my assistant coaches played with him at PDL. And he was someone who I really looked up to. Um, as a goalkeeper and all that and same thing like the coach gave him gave him my number and then one day out of nowhere he just called me and he's like hey man like I heard like you're you're, you're playing and all like let's let's chat and he kind of just gave me a few tips and really I texted him maybe for like throughout those like couple months and he always got back to me so I always thought that was something like very unique and it, it, it helped me a lot and it was just cool to think like a professional player who probably has hundreds thousands of people reaching yeah. out to him and the fact that he took the time to give me a phone call um really meant a lot so I, i'm kind of learning from him and i, I kind of want to be the same kind of person i don't even think it's being an athlete it's being a good person um yeah so uh, i would and love to any questions yeah for sure yeah um all right i if there's anything else that you you wanted to touch on that i didn't i didn't ask about no, I mean, I think I've been in isolation for so long. I've never talked so much in an interview ever.